This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends, and welcome back. First off, I want to apologize to you for taking so long to produce this next episode. Since our last episode, I've covered a lot of ground, and my brain has been focused on a wide variety of things. Without going into too much detail, over the last month, quite a bit of my time and focus has been on helping Russian families as they become refugees, leaving their home country and moving into an unknown future. I've helped families go through Turkey, Kazakhstan, Finland, Estonia, some are in Romania now, and I was also teaching at ministry schools in Romania and also visiting partners in Montenegro. Now I find myself in the United States again with my family. We're happy to be here, and the last week and a half has been full of a pretty good dose of jet lag and also just the natural sort of coming off of the emotional and spiritual high or intensity, I guess, that we faced recently. Today, you're going to hear Olga talk, and she's going to talk about the lessons that she's learned this year from the time that we left Russia back in March, and then we went to Russia again in the summer, and now we're out of Russia. And there have been a lot of really good lessons learned. They're hard lessons, but they're good lessons. And this has been the topic of conversation for me with quite a few people recently, that the Lord uses these very, very hard times to conform us to his image, if we'll let this perseverance, this testing of our faith, do the work it's going to do. James says that we should consider it joy when we face trials of different kinds, because the testing of our faith develops perseverance, and we need to let perseverance do its work so that we'll be complete and not lacking anything. I've said it before, and I'll just say it again now. God tests our faith, but he never tempts us to sin. Someone who tests wants the student to succeed and move on to the next class, on to the next lesson. And God promises that he'll never give us more than we can handle, and he wants us to pass the test. A tempter wants people to fail and tempts people to fall away from God. God never tempts us, but he always tests us to help us grow up and become more mature in the faith. So what Olga will be talking about here is a part of those lessons that God's been teaching us and some of the testing that he's allowed us to go through so that we can let perseverance do its work, so that we can share in his nature, so that we can know him better and be stronger in the faith, so that we can please him and help other people as God brings them across our paths. So now, here is what Olga shared in our Sunday School class here in the United States this past Sunday. Well, I just kind of wanted to share things that I've learned this year and things that we have experienced and went through and things that we learned. And I just want to do it, you know, to show how great God is and how he takes care of all his people and how we shouldn't be afraid 
we're always his children and he will take care of us. So it may get a little bit emotional, but don't feel, don't feel sorry, okay? <laughs> because, I mean, it's both hard and it's both very good. So, so I just wanted to kind of, maybe I'll just go in chronological order of events a little bit. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to finish it all. <laughs> I mean, really, my heart is full, just how grateful I am and how I really love the Lord and, you know, just very happy to share with you. So if we go back, uh, so end of the winter, end of February is when Russia invaded Ukraine. And your first reaction is, boy, I hope it will be over soon because you just don't believe. I mean, first day I remember when I saw it, I was, it didn't even, even feel real on until I, when I told Mike, he, I mean, his reaction I was, showed me, I was like, wow, it is real. I was like, whoa, it's not a movie. And then things just started happening very quickly. You know, the disconnection from SWIFT system, the ban of Facebook in Russia, mm-hmm. the closing of some big stores like Ikea, I think, closed within a week. Uh, McDonald's closed. Um, and then... Uh, Pretty much all of the European airlines except Turkish airlines stopped flying into Russia. And it all happened like just within the week, like Dominic. And you're just watching it thinking, what's going on? What are you guys doing? And then there's those whole talk about maybe nuclear attack. I think within a week again, they, we heard that, that there was an order to put like a nuclear weapon at the ready. Like, ooh, <laughs> now what's going to happen? And it's all just kind of keeps falling on you where every day you wake up and there is more news and it's all bad. It's worse every day. And you just want to get out of it, get out of this pressure that you feel. I remember, I think about a week later, Mike and I went to one of the big stores uh, because he said we need to, you know, get supplies. We need to have a, a certain amount of food, non-perishable food that is there available in case something happens. I mean, the cards were still working, so we could still pay with our cards and withdraw cash. So we went to withdraw cash and we went to the store where we usually go to buy, you know, food. And it all looks just like every day, you know, it doesn't look like things are that bad. But I remember going through a store with this lump in my throat because I didn't like the reason we were there for. You know, I didn't like thinking of what to buy and how much to buy. And you're like on the point of tears, like, I don't want to do it. Do it. I don't want to be here in this store right now thinking I need to stock up in case, you know, we cannot buy food. So, again, it's like, it's not real. I mean, am I back in the, what, 40s or what? And we talked to, you know, some of our friends. Some of our friends were actually very happy. Like, yeah, it's time Russia showed them who is boss or what's, what's that, what's what. But mostly it was shock. Uh, most, mostly it's like, who is right, who is wrong, 
you know, there is less and less chance of getting news other than what the TV tells you. There is no like, competition in the politics in Russia. So the TV tells you only what the ruling party wants you to know or wants you to feel, wants you to think. So there is no opposition. And um, just a few news resources that were sort of showing a different picture were quickly shut down. Like there is a Radio Svoboda, which is Radio Freedom, and there is like a other few things that had online, they were just banned. You can only get them if you got a VPN, which showed that you were somewhere in Europe. And then you could open those sites. I mean, there are ways around it. Those who wanted to learn to read different news, they could and they still can. But not a lot of people want to. But as like those first couple of weeks were unfolding, I... No, I really felt like God was leading me to these scriptures that said that we need to see and look at the things that are unseen and not at the things that are seen, that he's still in control. It's hard to say that you know exactly what's going on. You know exactly who is right and who is wrong. Those who attack, I think, are always wrong. You know, But that's not even the matter of right now who is right and who is wrong. You just... You just have to understand that you live in a different kingdom. And you still, especially at this time, you have to remember that you live in a different kingdom. And you cannot say, I'm Russian, or I'm Ukrainian, or I'm American. I am I'm the disciple of Christ. And what do I do as the member of the people of God and not of any people of this earth? Because... There were a lot of talks, you know, God is with Russia, God is with Ukraine, God is here, God is there, God is for them, God is for those. No, God is for his people. And it's very easy to fall into this thinking that God is for a certain nation, for a certain political country. You know, the only people that are chosen by God were and will be Israel. That's the only people that are still the chosen people of God. All of us, you know, we have been adopted into his family. We have been taken into his kingdom. And so now when he looks at the earth, he doesn't see countries. He sees his disciples. And they say, here's my people, here's my people, here's my people. That's who I take care of. And another thing that I started looking at is in Matthew, where it says, about the end times, and where it says, because of the increase of lawlessness... The love of many will grow cold. And that's what I felt God was really impressing on me, is that I cannot let hate and anger against anybody. I may be a thousand times justified to feel angry and to feel like I have a right to hate certain people, certain governments, whatever. But I cannot do that. I am not allowed to do that. I mean, maybe other people are allowed, those who are not, you know, in the people of God. But I, as a disciple of Christ, I cannot do that. I'm not allowed. There is higher standard for us as the people of God. And we cannot do something that other people can do. And so that's what I was trying to hold on to, that I cannot hate. I may think, these people are wrong. 
but I cannot hate them. I may think these people are wrong, but I cannot hate them, you know. But the hardest thing was probably in that first, I don't know, almost two months probably, that I didn't really feel God's presence with me because you are so shocked that you just don't feel that he is with you. And I remember later in the summer, Valerie and I were talking about it, and she said, Mom, I really felt the presence of God, and I feel like you didn't. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're right, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I only went by knowing that God is with me. I knew that he was with me, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel him. I felt like, you know, mm-hmm. make it stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I mean, I know you're there. I know you hold it all in your hand. And I know you hold this whole situation in your hand. You hold me in your hand. But I cannot feel, I cannot, like, emotionally, I don't feel any relief. I only feel this terrible pressure and this shock and fear. I don't know what's going to happen. And I remember listening to some songs that used to really inspire me before. Like, you know, these are days days of Elijah. These are the great days of great trials of what is it, darkness and famine and sword? And I was like, <laughs> I am floored. You know, I'm not still the voice of the wilderness crying, prepare the way of the Lord. It's like, uh-uh, <laughs> let me hide somewhere in the corner. This doesn't inspire. I mean, this is really hard. It just really shows me I'm not, you know, where that song says I should be. <laughs> I really, I just, it's, it's amazing. The feeling I had in those first two months was from Daniel, where he says to the king, you were weighted on the scales and found very light. Mm. And that's how I felt, that I weighted very light. And it was hard. I was like, God, oh, what am I doing really? <laughs> I know God did not blame me for it. There was no guilt with that. It just was the fact. I was thinking, gosh, I'm really not ready for this. But at the same time, there was no guilt. It's like, okay, you're not ready. You, you don't feel like you have what it takes. But you're still with, with the Lord. And, and it really didn't bring despair. You know, it just showed me where I was. And okay, I can go from here then. And you know, these things that are unknown. It's amazing how hard it is when you don't know how it's going to end. You know, when we read history, World War I, World War II, we knew, we know when it's going to end, how it's going to end. And so we're like reading this history thinking, okay, guys, just like two more years, one more year, you know, six more months. You know, but here, or like we read books, you know, how many of you read the end of the book before you read the whole book? <laughs> Just so that, okay, I know how it's going to end now, I can read it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I do that, you know, just, oh, I cannot just, you know, <laughs> go with the characters not knowing what's going to happen. I need to know how it's going to end and then I can enjoy the book. <laughs> but here you cannot do that. You don't know how it's going to end. You have to go. Every day, not knowing how it's going to end and just trusting that God is still leading you. There were good things even then. You know, I talked to friends. We had, uh, you know, great meetings with teenagers where they really 
I love how teenagers back there in the church, we do this Bible study with them. They ask questions, they answer them, they, you know, think out loud. I mean, I was so blessed. I was like, guys, you know, here's like this little like girl who's 11 years old, and she's just, you know, asking all these questions and thinking about them out loud, and we just, you know, discuss. I was like, you're so great. I love you guys. <laughs> so... So about two weeks after it happened, we said that we're going to go. I mean, the American embassy is sending these letters every day. Leave, leave. You know, there are all these things. Uh, if something happens to you, we're not sure we can help you because we are really limited here and what we can do. So, you know, if you don't want to find yourself harassed and uh, falsely accused and all of those kind of things, get out of here. You're like, oh, I can't feel God in there. <laughs> And then there was this rumor that the borders are going to get closed. What do we do? So Mike and I, we were talking um, about, you know, what do we do? I mean, it's for a while, it wasn't a question for me that we would go. I mean, it's like, no, we're not. But like every day we hear, okay, this family left, this family left, this family left. It's like, oh. it's like what is going on? And, uh, and you're in turmoil because you're wondering what do you do? You know, I'm in shock. I don't feel God, but I have to make decisions. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's early March we were talking. One day, American embassy sent two letters. Not just one letter a day, two letters a day. Get out of here. <laughs> and there are all these things. You have my friends. I have my family. I have my mom. I have my grandmom. Uh, what's going to happen to them? So we, like the Sunday before we left, I was praying and... Um, and I felt like God was saying, you feel so bad because you're fighting this decision to leave. You know, my inclination is like, I don't want to go. I don't, you know. But Mike was already scheduled to speak in some Romanian churches at the end of March. I mean, we were not going to go. Valerie was going to have a friend of hers come and visit for the spring holiday, which was end of March. And they were really looking forward to it. And I was like, we have all these things. We don't want to just go but um but i really felt like god say said you feel so bad you're fighting this decision it's okay and then you know on sunday we were in church and we you know we talked to the pastor and he told us that he heard the rumor that like two three days from then they would close the borders so you don't want to get stuck because there was this all this rumor the, the cars were still working but we were like they might not get working so how do we financially survive even? Because all of our funds are from outside of Russia. And so if we just literally have no money to live on, what do we do? I was thinking, well, maybe I should get a job. <laughs> so anyway, Sunday afternoon, we actually said, okay, we're we leaving. We're going to go. Valerie was very happy because she was like, oh, I get to go help people. <laughs> so like... It was like, what, 5th of March, whatever that Sunday was. And then we actually left the very next day. So it's like, you make a decision, okay, we're going to go. And Valerie said, what, tomorrow? It's like, yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I thought maybe a few more days. No, we're going tomorrow. I went, like, so Monday morning, I'm going to the notary to do the journey of power of attorney to my mom on all the property I have, like our car, our apartment, our house in the country, so that, you know, they say, how long you want to have it for? I was like, well, how long can I have it for? They said, well, forever, for however long you want to. I was like, 20 years? <laughs> it's like, well, 
food for 20 years. I mean, anyway, so did that, went home, we started packing. What do we take? You know, Valor has school. We already had our ninth grade books with us. I mean, she was still in eighth grade then. We packed him in, and then it was like, no, we believe God, that God is telling us we'll come back, so let's take the ninth grade books out, <laughs> you know. Went to my mom. I took her all documents and money and left her some cards in case she could use them. You know, went picked up our pastor who said he will drive us to the border. Went, said goodbye to my grandma. She's like, oh, is she making a mistake? Are you afraid? I was like, no, I'm not, I, mean, I can't even tell you why I'm leaving, Okay. <laughs> I don't know myself. <laughs> I'm just leaving. And then, you know, get in the car, start going. And I mean, I was praying all these times, like, God, please close the doors. If you don't want us to go, please close the doors. And we said, we will be happy either way. Whether they will let us out or tell us that we cannot leave. I mean, we'll be happy with whatever outcome. I mean, I was ready. We were, we were all ready to stay and ready to go, whatever turns out. And we did cross the border pretty easily. Uh, and then we had to wait for a friend of ours for about, I don't know, more than an hour. He didn't get our messages in time. He had to drive from a nearby town to pick us up at the Estonian border. And the border is actually, it's a river. There is a Russian town on one side, an Estonian town on the other side. And you just cross the bridge, just kind of, there is a pedestrian crossing, as they say. You don't have to be in a car or on a bus. You can just walk through. They have, you know, uh, places where you can actually just walk through, go through, passport controls. And so we were waiting for our friend, just kind of looking across the river. Well, here's, there's her, there's home. I was like, oh. <laughs> what I realized that the people that you, when you turn, you know, so quickly turn, turn away from your normal life. Uh, it's one thing when you come and visit. I mean, I've been there many times. We have a little apartment in Estonia. So it's not like you don't know where you're going. You you have things there. You have, You have friends. You have like church there, you have community there. But you, it's one thing to come just for a visit. You have your plans and things like this. Another thing, when you come, you just don't know. And the hardest thing is like this suddenly, well, what do I do? The hardest thing is not just to get up and go, but the hardest thing is like, what do I do now? Where do I fit in now? Because I cannot just, here's this place, and I just sit here all day long. And, and that's the hardest thing, you know. So when we started helping some, some people, and I was telling everybody, it's like the hardest thing is the, this feeling like you're not needed anymore. You're not useful anymore. Here you are, you left your home, here's a house, here's food, and what else? Because we, as people, we cannot just sit and look out of the window. And that's the worst thing that can happen to people. One of the worst things that can happen to people. And that was, that was hard there, you know, because you suddenly feel such a stranger in a place where you were not a stranger before. You know, Estonia, especially Eastern Estonia, is like more than half Russian-speaking. I mean, you, there are Russian schools there, Russian language schools. And so you don't feel like you are really out of your comfort zone. So it's a, it's a kind of thing, I was talking to a friend of mine, and it's amazing how you think, oh, I wish I could die. Yes. You know, I heard about, you know, this person passed away, this person passed away, I was like, oh my goodness, lucky they, <laughs> they escaped the toils of this world. <laughs> uh, and literally, yeah, you're afraid to go to bed, 
because you wake up in the middle of the night and you know how if you wake up in the middle of the night, all of the thoughts, if you have any difficulties in your life, all of those thoughts are magnified and they just like vultures just prey on you. And so you don't want to go to bed because you wake up in the middle of the night and these things, you know, torture you. And then in the morning you don't want to wake up to another day of more bad news. And so, yeah, literally, I, I really didn't sleep for like two, two months. It was like this. Okay? Every night you wake up and you're like, uh, and then you can't wake up in the morning, but you have to, you know, and Valerie has school. I actually, I wrote to the superintendent here in, you know, in Georgia saying, when this situation, can we take like some kind of academic break? Because I don't have it in, in me. I, it's like, I cannot put my thoughts together. So he was really sweet. He was really nice and said, you know, you really have like till the middle of August to finish and you just, just make sure you cover this basics. He even researched to me. He's like, this is what you need to do. Just do this and you'll be fine. I was like, Ooh, thank you. Somebody thought for me. <laughs> Somebody made a decision for me. You know, and then like the bank cards were turned off. You know, like our cards... American cards don't work in Russia anymore. My Russian card doesn't work anywhere else either. Uh, I had a hard time getting on my online banking. Sometimes I could, sometimes I couldn't. You know, I have the apartment back in St. Petersburg. I have to pay bills on it. You know, there are all these things. So I'm kind of calling with my mom. I still cannot get, like, if I'm not in Russia, I cannot get to this one site where I have to give them my electric meter readers so I'm like mom here's my you know like this is the 20th of the month mom please get on this side here's the passwords and bunch of numbers please I'll have to do it like while I'm here because I still cannot do it I mean a lot of sites I thankfully can still access so you kind of have to think about this but I'm, I'm saying this because you know God is so faithful he leads you we got to Romania. We had a choice either to stay with friends or to stay um, just by ourselves. Like some, some friends had an apartment. They said, you guys can have this apartment, just stay as a family. And I was like, no, I want to stay with friends. I don't want to be alone, please. I don't want to be alone because I'm thinking, boy, I have to be thankful I have roof over my head and food to eat, but it's not enough. You know, you see God. And then you realize, you know, sometimes things are hard and you shouldn't try to get from under it. You know, think hard things come, sufferings, trials, and we shouldn't try to get from under them. You know, I was listening to some teachings that said um, the signs of the true church, and the first one is suffering. If the church is going through suffering, it's the sign of a true church. But if the suffering is undeserved, and if the suffering is endured, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, you know. Um, and I really felt like God was saying, yeah, you shouldn't. So we listened to this sermon, and I felt like God was saying, you shouldn't try to get from under it. And then this preacher immediately says, you shouldn't get from under it. You should let it do its work. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and in, in Romania, amazingly, we had, you know, there were people there that I needed to interpret for and, and things like that. There was one couple, you know, the husband was Russian, and he was telling me how he suffered in Ukraine. I mean, Ukrainian army did terrible things, too. Um, Russian army did terrible things. Ukrainian army did terrible things as well. War is ugly. Just ugly. So I want to tell you a story about this one family that came as refugees. I 
knew them for like less than 24 hours. It was a big family and they stayed in a house close to where we were staying. And so I went there to help translate. They were like the people there made dinner for them. I went to help translate. And as we were meeting them, I kind of felt like, I think they're believers. And so I asked them, I said, you believers? And they said, yeah. Almost like they were ashamed to admit that they were believers. And I was like, are they ashamed to admit it? And so we had dinner. And then after dinner, one of the ladies, her name is Allah, like my sister, and she has twin boys, which I'm twin. And they were born June 14th, my mom's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) One of the reasons why they left, because in June, the boys were going to turn 18 and would be drafted into the army. And so after dinner, this, their mom, Alice, just turns to us, to me and to this friend of ours who is a missionary in Romania, and she just starts weeping. And, just, and she said, what have we done? We were part of a church, and our children were part of the church, and we were ministering. Have we betrayed our friends? Have we left them? We could leave. A lot of them can't. Have we betrayed them? What have we done? And she was just crying. And I knew the reason why they were so ashamed to say that they were believers. Because, like, here we are believers, but we are fleeing the trouble. And so, so we were able, I, I was able to share some things with her about Aquila and Priscilla, how they were driven and how they, you know, God used them anyway. But then our friend David, he, he also, he prayed and he... And he really had the word of the Lord for her and for me, too. Because he said, you know, God doesn't bring guilt. Amen. He said, if you, if you feel only guilt right now, it is not of God. Because God doesn't give you guilt and nothing else. If God convicts you, he gives you hope. He gives you a way out. If you don't have any hope right now, then it's not of God. And boy, just two tears just dried up immediately. I mean, they were gone. And the next day, we helped take them to the airport. They were flying further into Germany. And um, I mean, again, I'm so thankful we went because there were some things that rose at the airport that we were able to help. I mean, Mike and I felt like we were their parents, you know, making sure that they, I mean, here's a family like of 12. There are 12 people. And uh, there were some hoops to jump through at the airport which we just were right there helping them. I was like, thank God we stayed, thank God we were there. And I got to talk to this lady just before they went through security, and I asked her, I was like, how are you doing? And she was like, like, thank you so much. You know, one of my boys woke up in the middle of the night, came to me, was like, mama, what are we doing? We left our people, we betrayed them, we are, you know, horrible. And she shared those things that we shared with her, and it has, you know, released him. And so they left, you know, happy. So, you know, there's people like, you know them for less than 24 hours, but I think of them a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, in those first two months, especially when we left Russia, I say I was afraid. I was afraid to go back because you listen to the news and you know that news don't give you a true picture of anything. But I was afraid. Mike mentioned there was this law that they were, they were considering this law of, you know, taking away the property. And for a week, I was just really shaken because, like, what do we do here? But then I really, I really felt like one morning I was praying, I really felt like 
just praying and I said, no stranger will take anything I have. You know, it belongs to God. Only God can take it from me if he wants to, but no man will make that decision. And I had peace. And then a week later they said, okay, this is, I mean, they're still considering, but at least back then they said it's non-constitutional to do that. I was like, oh, okay. And then I really felt sometime in April that God said, you will go home. And that's, that's the first day I was like, I was so happy. Like, I never knew what happiness was before. And um, I remember we went to see my sister, a blessing. It was truly a blessing because when we got there, I just finally felt relief. That's when I finally felt relief. You know, felt like I'd been running long and hard and finally got a break. While we were there, I kept praying. It's like, God, do we go to Russia? And I felt like he said, I told you, you can. I was like, Okay. <laughs> And, and we did, you know, we did, and it was great. And I really, it's like, again, I've never been so happy and so thankful to be home. Like all this summer, I mean, I was the happy person. I was so happy. I'm still happy, actually. <laughs> you know, but you, you get to appreciate things that, uh, and it's like, I appreciated them before, but you appreciate them more. And last Sunday we said, I'm so thankful that Valerie finally said, I love Russia. Because when we were leaving, she said suddenly, oh, I realize that I love Russia. Because she wanted just to be in the States. But thank God, (laughs) you know. And she made a lot of friends. And she, you know, she has really matured this, this year. But she made a lot of friends. And she made connections. She had her own break, breakthroughs. Like last Sunday, she was in pants. Anybody saw? And, and she said, Mom, I made this rule for myself. It's not like I wore skirts because I made this rule to myself that I'm not allowed to wear pants. And I felt judgmental of those who did, the girls. I was like, I realized I was realistic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, Mom. And she was so happy. She went, we went in Montenegro to buy some clothes because we didn't really have very light clothes. We left in March. I was still wearing my coat and winter boots, my fur coat. And here we are in Montenegro. It's like coming up on 90 degrees. <laughs> and she went and she bought herself pants at the store. Herself. I mean, I, gave, I, I have given up buying her pants. I was like, this is just a waste of money <laughs> because she doesn't wear them. <laughs> and, she, and she was happy because she said, I'm, I realized I was so legalistic. It's like, thank God. But the thing that I really wanted to stress in all of that, uh, this summer I listened to some sermons about the kingdom of God. And I was really, I never saw it from this perspective, about that God is a king and he has his kingdom, but he cannot have his kingdom unless he has subjects. And I've never heard, and I was really blessed and just this idea that he's our king, and we tell him he's our king, and we tell him he has everything, but are we willing to do what he tells us to do? And he says, I want to be your king, but will you be my subjects? Because I cannot be your king unless you are my subjects. And Jesus Christ came to this earth, and God finally had his true subject in Jesus Christ the one who did all the will of God. Everything God said, everything God did, he did. 
and he was faithful to the end. He was the one true subject of the king. And, you know, it just turned my thinking around so much. Because we do sing the songs, you're the king, we give you everything. But in reality, we don't. We don't. A lot of us, I mean, we don't. Because there is still the God, you take care of this, I'll take care of this. You stay out of here. And it's just so easy. I mean, we, we, we do. I mean, he does give us brains to think. And it's not like, you know, we're just puppets. But he wants to take care of everything. I was like, this is such a basic thing. I shared it with my former youth pastor. I ended up actually going Far East again this summer. And my trip was paid for by a member of the church there. It's like, he paid plane tickets. He paid hotel staying. It's like, wow. Because my friends, also they are missionaries, they're in the same predicament. How do we get money? How do we get actual money into the country? All of their money is in the States, too. You have to find this. <laughs> Other ways <laughs> to get money in. Because I have money, but they're there, not here. <laughs> you don't have to be, really, I have to start being economical again, thank God. You know, thinking, you know, it's like, no, can I buy this? No, can I buy that? <laughs> So I was sharing with my mm, youth pastor, my former youth pastor, saying, you know, I'm, I'm learning this basic stuff, how to tell God what I want him to do. <clears throat> it's like, I should have known this way back. <laughs> but she said, yeah, but it's much deeper now. Yeah. Because, because I'm, I'm thinking deeper about this, not just, oh, I want ice cream today. <laughs> Oh, I don't want ice cream ever again. (laughs) But I was thinking, boy, I'm discovering such basic things. And the thing is that God is teaching you through those things. And you start asking, like, what do I do? And so when at the end of September there was this announcement of the mobilization of the draft in Russia, I was surprised to see that our reaction was different than back in February. There was not a shock anymore. There was not this fear anymore. It's like God has built up this. You went through this once, and you learn certain things. You know, if you really follow the, you, you learn, and you grow up your spiritual muscles. And both Mike and I, we said, you know, the reaction this time is different. It still is like, what? You said you would not do it. But here they are doing it. Of course, a lot more things are happening. Like more of our friends said, okay, we just got to get out. Like the man, you know, we have to get out. Mike started helping a lot of our friends think through this things, how, you know, on top of all of the other things that he has to do, like to, to help people think through how, when, because there was a window of time really just about a week when they could leave until they just started putting the draft services right at the border. If you try to leave, you served a notice. You know, you feel like you are at the mercy of the system. You are at their mercy. And some people were asking, like, oh, Olga, what do we do? I was like, I cannot tell you what you can do. You need to ask God. He will tell you what to do. Because there was this question, because Mike was, we already had tickets to the States for the end, at the end of October. Mike already had tickets to fly to Romania and Montenegro in the in the month of October. So he was going to leave Russia early October so he could make all these trips to Romania, Montenegro, come back to Estonia. We were going to come just at the end of October to Estonia so we could 
because we flew out of Tallinn. But the question was, do we leave with Mike? You know, do we stay on our original schedule or do we change our schedule? And it was like really a question, what do you do? Serious thing, we can get stuck on two sides of the border. What if they close it and we are separated indefinitely? And he said he felt like God said, you know, stay the course, stay on it. And I started, you know, praying about it too, because for a few days I was thinking, well, how can we do it? I have so much to do if we have to leave so soon. There's so many, so many things I need to do. And I felt like, yeah, again, I felt like the Lord said, yeah, stay, stay on your schedule. And I, again, I was praying. I was like, God, do we, you know, do we do it? And I felt like he said, I told you, it's okay. You can stay. Oh. You can stay and it's okay. He said, I told you, it's okay. So I even stopped praying. I was like, why? Like, I, I got my answer. Like, why do I keep asking? Is it okay or not? Like, like duh. <laughs> and, and, you know, when you do the will of God, then you're not afraid. You know, it's amazing. There is no fear. I remember when Mike first time went to Africa, and we did not know. I mean, he left me all his passwords to all of his banking, saying, here they are, in case I don't come back. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I remember... I mean, we knew that God sent him there. It was miraculous that he was able to go. And I remember how while he was in Africa that first trip, how I was trying to be afraid, and I couldn't. <laughs> I really could not feel afraid. I was like, I must be afraid. I want to be afraid, but I'm not. <laughs> you know? There was another uh, incident in my life a few years ago when I ran the camp for the single moms first time that I was running it, and... Uh, there was a lot of pressure and there are a lot of uh, thoughts of how it used to be. There was a lot of kind of sadness about it. But I felt like God just took me into this spacesuit almost. And all of my reactions and all of my actions were not me. I really felt like my natural re- reactions, my, you know, exhaustion or my kind of tendency to be annoyed by certain things and things like this. I felt like God just held them. I knew that they were there but they were just held so tightly by the Lord. And my reactions were his, not mine. And I knew that just for sure. I was amazed. I was like, God. So I, I know how can God just take you in and live through you, you know, live through you. And so this time also I'm like, well, should I, should I be afraid? But I was not because I knew that God told us to do something. And he said it was okay. And um, our pastor in, in Russia, like two weeks before we left, he was preaching, saying, we are in the perfect will of God. And I really felt like, yes, we are in the perfect will of God. And we are safe. And by safe, I don't really mean physically safe. Even if you're not physically safe, you're still safe. If you know that you're following God. If you know that you are in his hand, you are where he wants you to be. And you're not afraid. Even if hard things happen to you so you know so we are not guaranteed things you know we wish we were guaranteed you know some people some countries are more used like i know in america people are more used to guarantees we all would like to feel like we have certain guarantees some people are more used to that feeling than others you know there are some countries where people don't have things guaranteed to us But, you know, we're guaranteed that God, our Mm -hmm. king, you know, if we are his subjects, 
if we ask him what it is that you want me to do and I'll do it and I found myself this year saying God what do you want me to do I'll do it just tell me what to do and I'll do it as much as I you know because I know like whatever he tells me to do then then you know that means that I can do it you know with his help he'll be with me through it and so that's probably my like one of the biggest things I've learned this year and so thankful whatever it is we come to him and we ask him what do I do and if somebody comes to us and tell us ask us what do we do we say you go and ask your king he knows better because he may tell me to do this and he may tell you to do something very opposite I don't know everything about your life he does so, you know, we're so used to talk to each other about it. You know, it's just easier because, and then we can blame each other, say, Ooh, you, <laughs> you told me to do that and it didn't work. <laughs> you know, but when we come and ask God, there is no leeway anymore. And it's great and it's wonderful. And, you know, you see, I saw how God, I saw a few people that went through hard things. And I saw both believers and unbelievers and I saw how God took care of believers. My personal friend, he's Russian. He went through horrible, he was in Ukraine when this started. He told me horrible things of what happened to him at the hand of Ukrainian special police. Horrible, I mean, I mean, he was, another guy said that he was almost shot just because he was Russian, okay? But thankfully, they didn't do it. But this friend of mine who is a believer, he told me how he was getting out of Ukraine in those first, whatever, two weeks. And how him having a Russian passport, I mean, he was a target. And he was trying to get out, and there were checkpoints, many, many checkpoints. You have to show your passport at every one of them. I don't know how many of them were there until they got to the border. He was telling me that and God saved him. God got him out of there. I mean, he could have been just either shot or sent somewhere, you know, never to be heard of again. But God has been faithful to him. He said he'll write a book, and I said, I'll read it when you do. <laughs> so, I mean, you can go through. What we went through is not, you know, any, like he went through. You know, I was not threatened with somebody taking my life. But God gives us all different things to go through. Just, you know, we need to ask him, what, what do we do? And then, then we're safe. said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you for listening, and God bless you all.